Hello, and welcome to the Claycomo Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today is Sunday, March the 13th, 2022. Our sermon today is by our youth pastor, Austin Reisner, discussing the cost of discipleships, looking at Luke 14. So we'll send it over to Pastor Austin. Open your Bible to Luke 14. We'll be in verses 25 to 35 this morning. And as you're opening there, I've got a confession to make. This text rocked me this week. And as I was preparing for it and as I'm, I'm reading through what Jesus is saying, in my, my sinful nature, I wanted to blunt his words. I wanted to soften what he has to say. And, you know, God is good and he convicted me and he said, no, you're trying to say something I, I'm not saying. You need to say what I am saying. And, and so it, it may come off like, man, that was intense, because it is, because we, we can't read the word and say, well, that sounds kind of hard. I don't want to do that. We've got to read it and, and know that even if it is hard, it's good and it's what we need. So, so along with that, I had to ask myself, and I'm going to ask you this morning, are you willing to come to Jesus on his terms? Are you willing to come to Jesus as he is expecting and asking you to come to him? Or are you trying to come to Jesus how you want to? Are you trying to be a disciple like Jesus expects you to be a disciple? Or are you trying to be a disciple how you think it should go? And more often than not, again, honesty, I'm trying to do it my way. And that's not the right way. It's not the way that I need to be doing it. It's not the way that you need to be doing it. We need to come to Jesus as he calls us to come to himself. And again, it's extreme, but it's worth it. You know, he asks us to count the costs, and they are great but we need to pay it anyway. So would you read Luke 14, 25 to 35 with me this morning? Now great crowds were traveling with him, so he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you wanting to build a tower doesn't first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, after he has laid the foundation and cannot finish it, all the onlookers will begin to ridicule him, saying, This man started to build and wasn't able to finish or what king going to war against another king will not first sit down and decide if he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If not, while the other is still far off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. In the same way, therefore, 
Every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. Now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. Father, these words are hard. The cost is high. But it is so worth it. And help us to see that and know that this morning. That whatever you ask of us is not too much. So help us this morning to have ears to hear and to truly listen to what you have to say. Help me not say what I want, but to say what you want. Let only what comes out of my mouth be things that are consistent with your word and your truth. Lord, be with us this morning. Amen. So here in verse 25, there's Jesus and there's these great crowds that have been following him. And that's awesome. We want great crowds to follow Jesus. And he obviously would want great crowds to follow him. That's why he came to die, right? He came to die to to bring people back to himself. So he wants as many people as will come to him to come. But he wants them to understand what it means and what it looks like to come to him. So he, he, he turns and he sees these great crowds, and, and in these crowds, there's two groups of people. There's one on this side, the disciples, those who are already disciples, who've already believed and trusted in Jesus and have put him first, have, have counted the cost and said, I don't want all these things, I want Jesus. And then there's the other group, there's those who have been walking around and following Jesus. They like the idea of Jesus. They're, they're what we might call would-be disciples. They, they like the idea, but they're not so sure yet. They like the idea of following Jesus, but they don't really understand what it means to follow Jesus. And so he looks at these crowds, and, and he knows that I need to make it very clear what it means to be my follower so he, he has that would-be disciple group in his mind, especially here. But those who are already disciples need to hear it too and be reminded of it. And his main concern is not keeping the crowds full and great, but rather to keep the crowds full of actual disciples who know that they want Jesus above all things. So yes, both groups need to hear this, disciples and those who are not yet disciples. Those who are disciples, this is a great reminder of what you have said you devoted your life to. Jesus above all else. Jesus above family. Jesus above possessions. And Jesus even above yourself. Those who are not yet disciples, should you see your need, and I mean that word, your need to come to Jesus, because you need Jesus, Know that it will cost you everything. But the gain that you get in return is everything you could ever need. So let's look at, at exactly what these costs are. Verses 27, 28, or 26, 27, 28, and 33. 
If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. In the same way, therefore, every one of you who does not renounce all his possessions cannot be my disciple. So we see three costs here. Three costs. The first, it'll cost you relationally to follow Jesus. Second, it'll cost you personally to follow Jesus. And third, it will cost you your possessions to follow Jesus. That first cost, the relational cost, Jesus says you cannot, and he means that, you cannot. He's not saying it'll be really hard. You cannot be his disciple unless you hate your father, your mother, your children, your wife, your husband, your brothers and sisters. I want, I want you to sit with that for a second. You cannot be Jesus' disciple unless you hate those relationships. It's jarring language. It's shocking. Jesus said to hate? Yes, but it's not the kind of hate you're probably thinking. It's not the kind of hate that we, that we typically think of where we, we, don't, we, we despise them or, or the hate that we should have towards our sin, but it, rather it's hate as a comparative term. He's using hate to say that your love for him should make all other loves, all other relationships look like you hate them because you love him so much. And this is a cost that many Christians struggle with, things that I struggle with greatly. Because loving your family is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a negative thing. Jesus is saying, don't, not saying don't love your family. He's just saying don't love them more than me. And so we struggle with it because we, we often take family and the love we have for them and put it first. We make it the ultimate thing. And what happens when we do that is we make family and these other relationships an idol. And we begin to use it as a repetitive excuse to not obey God and His Word. I've seen it countless times. And it breaks my heart every time I see somebody trading something good for something ultimate and the best. We make family time an excuse to not come to church on Sundays and Wednesdays as if coming to church as a family and worshiping together is not as good as staying at home and playing Monopoly or going to the movies and buying overpriced popcorn or, heaven forbid, what actually happens most of the time, we sit in the same room together looking at a screen and not talking. We trade Jesus for that. It should not be that way. And again, going to the movies, and if you want to buy that popcorn, go for it, but it's not as good as Jesus. Playing Monopoly as a family is not bad, but it's bad when you habitually use it as an excuse to not obey Christ. So, 
hate these other relationships in comparison to your love for Jesus. Parents, you must love Jesus more than you love your kids. Children, you must love Jesus more than your parents. Husbands and wives, you must love Jesus more than you love your spouse. Siblings, you must love Jesus more than your brother or sister. That one may not be as hard for some people. But you still got to do it. Because anything other than that is, is not worth it. Jesus is worth everything he could ever ask of you. Amen and more. Because what's amazing that happens when you put Jesus first, when you make Jesus the ultimate love of your life, is that all of those other loves actually get loved the way they should. So don't think Jesus is saying neglect those other relationships because he's not. He clearly makes sure you don't in his word. Children, honor your father and mother. Mark 7. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loves the church. Wives, love your husband and respect him. Ephesians 5. Parents, raise your children in the Lord. Deuteronomy 6. Siblings, be reconciled to one another. Matthew 5. So yes, love those other people, but don't love them more than Jesus. That may seem like a high cost, and, and maybe it is, but the outcome is so much better than the alternative because loving Jesus above all as we should means we rightly love everyone else. So there is a relational cost to following Jesus. Don't think there's not. Don't try to soften it like I was tempted to do. You must love Jesus more than everyone else in your life. Next cost, the personal cost. Jesus said you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your own life and bear your own cross. And I want you to hear that phrase, bear your own cross, as they would have heard it. Not as we hear it now, where we have crosses on the wall and we wear cross necklaces or, or whatever it may be, and we think, oh, that's kind of a cute saying, bear your own cross. They would have heard this, and they would have been shocked. You're asking me to carry my own cross? Like those criminals who have to carry the cross beam on their back to where they, they're going to get nailed to the cross and die there? That horrific scene, that's what you're asking me to do, Jesus? It's not enough that I hate myself. I have to bear my own cross. They would have immediately pictured a horrifying and agonizing death when they heard that. Because when they carried that cross to the place where they would die, they were, in essence, a dead man walking. They had no hope. They had no future. They had no dreams, no aspirations in that moment. They were dying. There was, there was no way out for them. So Jesus is saying, 
bear your own cross. And when he says this, he means that you are no longer in control of your life. Christ is. Your life is not for you any longer. It's for him. We are living for God's kingdom, not our own. We sacrifice our own wants and desires in pursuit of the desires and commands of Christ in his word. We endure suffering and persecution on behalf of Christ and our allegiance to him. Part of that that text we read this morning in our scripture reading in Philippians 3 at the end, Paul talks about how he desired to share in the suffering and death of Christ so that he could hopefully share in his resurrection as well. Paul understood that suffering and death had to come before resurrection in Christ. He understood that he needed to die to himself to live in Christ. And that's what Jesus is calling us to do. This is the cost of being his disciple. You no longer live, Christ lives in you. Your wants and desires are no longer valid. Christ's wants and desires are the only thing left. And the cost is high here again, but the outcome again is far greater because although you die to yourself, It means you have life in Christ. And that life can never be taken away. It's eternal. So we've seen the relational cost. And we've seen the personal cost. Now the cost of your possessions. Verse 33 said, Jesus said, You cannot be my disciple unless you renounce all your possessions. Now, this does not necessarily mean that he's asking you to leave this church this morning and to go literally sell everything you have and be homeless. He's not saying that here. What it means is that you understand you no longer actually own anything. Instead, you are a mere steward of the things you've been given. And you are to use them For his kingdom, not your own. You are to use them for his purposes, not your own. And so you are to use what you have to love God and love others. So you renounce everything as yours and it's his now. This means that you don't get to hold things back. I like to, to share with Penny my food, um, but I definitely hold things back from her because I want that food. And most of the time, I try to take her food. But but I can have the greatest meal there, and and maybe not every time, but a lot of the time, I want Penny to experience it too, but I don't want her to have it all. I want most of it. And I think that's how sometimes we feel about the things we have in relationship to Christ. We try to hold things back and say, these things you can have, but this is off limits. We say, you can have those dusty things in the basement that I haven't looked at in five years. That's yours. Have at it. But you can't have my house. You can't have my car. You can't have my clothes, my money, or 
Heaven forbid my food. You can just have the junk. I want the good stuff. But he says you have to renounce it all. It's all his. So you've got to be ready to give and to give freely when the time comes. And there will be a time when you are faced with that decision. Am I going to see it as mine or am I going to see it as Christ and give it to build his kingdom and to bless someone else? It won't be easy when that time comes, but if you remember what it means to be a disciple, hopefully you will pick blessing someone else and building his kingdom. The truth is nothing you have has ever really been yours anyway. It's always been his. Nothing you have is yours. You just think it is. So make sure that your treasure is Christ and not your possessions. Because as the word says, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. Your heart must be with Christ to be a disciple. C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, said this about the cost of being a disciple. The Christian way is different. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money and so much of your work. I want you. That's what Jesus says. Jesus wants all of you. He wants your time, your affections, your thoughts, your work, your relationships, your possessions, and most of all, your love. Jesus expects all of it. So we've got to stop going about the Christian life as, it's, as if it's okay to measure out, I'll give this much to family, and I'll give this much to friends, and I'll give this much to work, and I'll give this much to me, and I'll give this much to Jesus. That's not how it works. That's not a disciple. A disciple gives all to Jesus. He wants all of you. He expects all of you. His terms are all of you. It must be all for Jesus. Otherwise, as Jesus, not me, not somebody else, as Jesus makes clear, you cannot be his disciple. Yes, the cost is great, but pay it anyway. Because the gain is so much more. The gain is Christ Jesus, our Lord, and everlasting life with Him. The one who left heaven, perfect heaven, relationship with the Father, to come to this dirty, dingy, sinful world as a baby. Who lived a perfect life, obeying everything the Father asked of Him. To go to a cross for your sins, for my sins, although He committed none where he was murdered on that cross, where he was put in a grave, and where, hallelujah, he was raised again three days later, conquering death and sin for you and for me. That's who we get. That's why we give everything. So we can know him. So we can love him. So we can be a part of his kingdom, 
not trying to build ours that will fall. So yes, the costs of being a disciple of Jesus are great, and Jesus wants us to be clear about that. He's not hiding it. He's not the, the salesman that's going to bait and switch. Look how awesome this is, but really it's terrible. He's saying it's hard, but it's worth it. So he asks us to count the costs up front and to decide if we are willing to pay it. And so he gives two examples here in the text of the importance of, of counting this cost beforehand. Now these two examples are nothing compared to what's really at stake. The first example is that of building a tower. And they, they would typically build a tower to either guard their property or their crops during harvest. So they would see if, if thieves were coming in to steal. And so Jesus used the illustration, someone wants to build a tower, and the first step is, you need to count the cost. Do I have enough to complete it, start to finish? Because if, if you don't do that, if someone wanting to build a tower didn't do that, and they started, and they built the foundation and ran out of money, they would be ridiculed. And they would have literally almost nothing to show for it. They'd have a slab what is that going to do? Nothing. It's worthless. Verse 30, it's not the Captain Obvious take here, even though it seems like it, where the, the onlookers and the scoffers and the, the ridiculers look at him and say, this man started to build and wasn't able to finish. They're not just taking the, the John Madden approach, like if they want to win, they've got to score more points, saying something obvious. They're saying, look how ridiculous this is. Why would you ever do that knowing that you didn't have enough? So count the cost. Otherwise, you will look ridiculous. Second illustration, what king going to war against another king will not first down, sit down and decide if he's able with 10,000 to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? This one's a little more intense. There's the scenario of an impending war, and one king has to decide, am I strong enough to defend my territory with 10,000 against the one coming to try and conquer me with 20,000. And if he doesn't count that cost, he will be slaughtered. But when he does count the cost, he can reach out. He can ask for peace. Saving himself and saving his people Counting the cost before you start something of magnitude, as especially the magnitude of whether or not I'm going to be a follower of Christ, is necessary. It's the logical first step. Because Jesus expects us and will only accept us on His terms, not our own. We can't just come to Jesus however we like we have to come to Jesus as He says to come to Him. We've got to count the cost. 
Because if you don't, you're going to have a rude awakening one day. Jesus ends his teaching here with a warning for us in the final two verses, verses 34 and 35. Now salt is good, but if salt should lose its taste, how will it be made salty? It isn't fit for the soil or for the manure pile. They throw it out. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen. So Jesus here is using salt as a parallel to being a disciple. Salt is good. Amen. Put some salt on that. As long as it keeps its taste. If you put salt on something and it doesn't taste salty, what are you going to do with that shaker? You're going to dump it out. What am I going to do with that? It's useless. Jesus says it's not even fit to throw on the ground for the soil. It's not even fit to be put in a manure pile. It's that useless. So how does salt lose its taste? Salt loses its taste by being diluted and mixed with other similar looking substances that are not salty. So being a disciple is good as long as you keep your taste by having counted the cost and giving up everything for Jesus. But a disciple loses their taste when they start to hold back from Jesus. When they start to try and put Jesus and relationships on the same level. When they start to try to put Jesus and their self and their possessions on the same level. You're not salty anymore if you dilute your love for Jesus with love for other things. When a disciple loses their taste, I'm not saying they lose their salvation. Don't hear me saying that. But they are no longer useful to the kingdom. They are fruitless. What is a a disciple that doesn't love Jesus good for? Nothing. So we're not earning our salvation here either by giving up everything. So we're not losing it if we start to lose our, our taste. And we're not earning it by giving up everything. Rather, when we see Jesus for who He is, our Savior, the one that we need, and we believe in His death and resurrection, we repent. This is repentance. Giving up everything else for Jesus. Giving up the way we were living before Jesus to pursue Jesus on His terms. It's repentance. So Jesus ends this with a common phrase of His, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. That's you and that's me. Listen. What is Jesus saying here? You've got to give careful thought to this teaching and ask yourself, like I've had to ask myself over and over and found myself wanting, have I counted the cost and am I willing to pay them? Or am I just trying to come to Jesus how I want, on my terms, not His? Do I really love Jesus more than my family? Do I really love Jesus more than the things I want, the things that I have? 
Because if I don't, I need to stop and get rid of those things for Jesus. So if you're in here this morning or if you're online and and you would say that you are a disciple, that you do believe that Jesus is your Savior, you've repented of your sins and you've begun to follow Him, I urge you to look at your life and honestly assess it. Don't just glance over it. Honestly, deeply assess it in relationship to these requirements of discipleship. Jesus says his disciples must put him above all their relationships, all their wants and desires, all their possessions. Otherwise, you can't be a disciple. Not a fruitful one, anyway. Christ must be first, which means that nothing should come between you and obeying the commands he gives in his word. And if something does come in between you and obeying the commands, that's what you love more than Jesus. If I'm using my family as an excuse to not come to church, I love them more than Jesus. If I'm using my possessions and saying, I can't give to this, then I love that more than Jesus. If I'm saying, I can't be here, I can't go evangelize because I'm scared, because I don't want them to look at me differently, you love yourself more than Jesus. Yes, those things are hard to give up. Yes, they're difficult and they cost, but they are worth it and they are necessary for a disciple. So look at yourself, look at your life. Do you love something more than Jesus? And if you do, get rid of it. Jesus asks for our everything, but it's not too high a price because you get to know and love the one who died and rose for you. Make him first, and I promise you it will be the best decision of your life. Maybe you're here, or maybe you're watching online, though, and you're saying, I'm not a disciple. And honestly, why would I make Jesus first if I have to give up all of those things? That makes no sense. Well, the answer to that question is because Jesus loved you enough to go to the cross for you, to pay for your sins you've committed against him. He's asking you to come to him. He's endured all of that because you chose something other than him, and yet he still wants you. He still desires you. He still loves you. He's just asking that you love him in return. So I urge you, repent of the life you've been living where other things have taken first place in your life. Believe in Jesus and find life more full than you can ever imagine with Jesus at the center of it. So that's my desire for everyone here online is that you come to know and to live for Christ alone and that you would enjoy him forever. Today is the day of salvation. Don't miss it. Don't wait. Don't think I've got time because you don't. Trust Jesus today. Live for Jesus today and the rest of your days into eternity. 
Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Clay Cullen, please visit us online at www.claybap.org.